AT&T Byron Nelson Week is here. John Drago, the tournament's director, joins us to talk about the big move to TPC Craig Ranch and McKinney. And one of the strongest fields the event has boasted in years, including world number one, Dustin Johnson, and Monica Paul number one, Brooks Kepka. Then Pudge Rodriguez joins us to talk Rangers and much more, his entrepreneurial bent and his journey from being a 19-year-old phenom to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Finally, Jeff Skinwade will join us to talk Mavericks, Little Cowboys, and a lot of music, including what he's downloading this week. And we may even get into his secret plan for the demise of Ben Rogers so Skin can finally have the spotlight all to himself. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop Podcast. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the Executive Director of the Dallas Sports Commission, along with our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Monica, before we turn our attention to the PGA Tour and the AT&T Byron Nelson coming to town next week, last night was the gold medal game of the IIHF. That's the International Ice Hockey Federation Under 18 World Championships. This is a big deal event. Kudos to the stars and uh, team president and CEO Brad Alberts for their work in uh, getting that, uh, you know, fantastic international event here. In fact, I, I would recommend uh, our listeners check out the profile of Brad Alberts uh, by Cheryl Hall in the morning news last Sunday. Brad, of course, a friend of the Mike Drop program. He was a guest on our very first episode uh, and a really interesting guy. What, Monica, he, Brad is one of our top level uh, sports executives in town for sure. What, what does it mean? Uh, say a few words about, about Brad and what it means for Dallas to host international events like the IA, IIHF HF, under 18 world championships. Yeah, Sully, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for, for Dallas, uh, the DFW region, Frisco, Plano. They did a fantastic job uh, with this international event. Uh, Brad is uh you're right. Uh, a top executive, a big friend of the Sports Commission. Uh, we enjoy working with him. You know, I think this event, uh, the IAHF Under 18 Worlds, is a, a great representation and also an add-on from what uh, we've been working on for the past, I don't know, three or four years. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't consider Dallas to be a, a hockey town, but uh, hosting the NHL draft in 2018, the Winter Classic, uh, uh, this event, uh, there's some other opportunities moving forward. I think the more that we're able to host these types of uh, international or, or large-scale hockey events, um, you know, it, it, it puts people on notice. The world uh, realizes that, okay, Dallas can, can host these international and, and really is a, is a hockey town. And I think it goes beyond that uh, from an international standpoint of – uh, we've, we've got other international events coming up. Uh, Mex Tour, Mexico is playing uh, Iceland here at the end of end of May. We just announced the CONCACAF Gold Cup where we're going to have multiple, multiple matches here in July. And then uh, upcoming here at AT&T Stadium is the Canelo-Billy Joe Sanders uh, fight. So uh, it's continuing to put Dallas on that international stage, uh, an important time period right now because we're right in the middle, well, not in the middle of COVID hopefully anymore, towards the end of COVID, but 
um, uh, as we come out of that, uh, you know, having opportunities for one, our residents to be able to attend events, but then also our uh, our guests and tourists and international travel as that opens up that they consider Dallas a top destination to, for for visiting, but then also for major sporting events. Our fearless prognosticators the last couple of weeks, uh, Christy Scales and and uh, and Mike Ducey got it pretty much right with the Cowboys emphasizing defense in last week's draft. We had some great draft stories last week on the on the podcast from Charles Haley and Babel Offenberg. Uh, how do you think the Cowboys did uh, last last week, Monica? Well, I'm I'm glad we have these guests on to give their uh, uh, thoughts on uh, what the Cowboys sh- should do. I uh, I was impressed with the Cowboys. They definitely st- um, uh, stuck to the defense. Uh, that was the motto. So I think they've got a lot of talent to uh, uh, take a look at here as uh, we progress towards the season, and uh, hopefully that uh, defense will uh, improve. Uh, I think there's some offensive line uh, help that uh, is needed, but uh, I, I think overall they did a pretty good job from a draft standpoint. We had a mic drop moment this week with the groundbreaking of the Omni PGA Frisco Resort. This is part of the new PGA of America headquarters. Uh, the resort will include 501 rooms, seven four-bedroom golf villas. Monica, we got to talk to Tony Fay. I think one of those uh, golf villas sounds like a good location for the Mike Drop staff retreat in 2023. What do you think? I, I'm with you, and uh, maybe we can get a, a few rounds of golf in there. Uh, you know, this PGA um, Omni Resort, that's a that's a big deal uh, for the region as well. Uh, that opens up, one, PGA of America moving here, but then, two, uh, the opportunity to host those major uh, uh, golf events uh, into the future, well into the future on, on the schedule. So, Yes, let's uh, get that on the books here uh, for later in the spring. Yeah, more economic development. Governor Abbott uh, was on hand for that. It's the largest resort currently under development in the United States. So this this is another big deal. And, you know, you mentioned Dallas as a destination. This is going to help, you know, drive Dallas as a golf destination. We're going to talk to John Drago in a little bit about the AT&T Byron Nelson the PGA of America will will be bringing 26 championships to PGA Frisco from 2023 to 2034, and that Omni uh, PGA Frisco Resort is going to be, uh, you know, uh, a central hub and a great destination for that. Uh, and as Jim Richardson, the PGA of America president, pointed out, this this facility is also where the PGA of America will run all of its programs with a state of you know state of the art education center and. Uh, for its 28,000 members to come to town for various programs. And of course, you know, two championship courses, a lighted 10-hole short course for families and newcomers to the game. There'll be a retail and entertainment experience there. It's going to be incredible. So lots to look forward to uh, uh, when all that opens next year in the Omni PGA Frisco Resort in 2023. With that, uh, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, Mother's Day is this weekend. Show her you really appreciate her. Give her an O-ring. These handy and stylish keyrings have been featured on Oprah, Good Morning America, The Today Show, and The View. They're everywhere. Moms love these and they'll love you for gifting them one. Go to oventure.com to order today. The O-rings, giving women an extra hand. We are now pleased to welcome to the mic drop John Drago, AT&T Byron Nelson Tournament Director since 2003, all-around good guy, we were just talking, John, about PGA Frisco. Of course, you are not only a PGA of America member, but a master professional, which is elite company 
and the highest designation, if I'm not mistaken, in the ranks of being a, a golf professional. Now, Monica Whoop. is excited that you're a UT alum. Yep. Hook them but on. I also, yeah, hook them for you guys. I, I love the fact in your salesmanship club, AT&T Byron Nelson bio, you note that while you are a golf professional, your career earnings topped out at $221. I'm sure there are some good stories and good memories associated with how you won that $221. Yeah, let's say I was much younger and really thought that I could play probably my second professional tournament ever. I won my first check and it was also my last. And that's when I realized I better, I better get into business of golf. Well, you've done, uh, you've done well. And of course, we know golf is an $84 billion industry and you play a key role in that with the AT&T Byron Nelson. Talk about uh, the excitement this year around the move to TPC Craig, Craig Ranch. What could people expect uh, this year with the move to, to that uh, venue in McKinney? Yeah, you bet. I appreciate you asking that question. You know, we are, we are really excited about, uh, about the new venue. You know, it's funny. We were just talking this morning it's been 724 days since our uh, defending champion, Sun Kang, hoisted the trophy out at uh, Trinity Forest in 2019. So, you know, the world has changed clearly since then, but the energy and the excitement and the welcome that we have received here has been something that I never really could have imagined. Um, you know, it, is, it has been uh, since day one, we have felt extremely welcome. The community has welcomed us. Um, the uh, all the municipality that is here has has rolled out the red carpet. The golf course is in great shape, and and I think we're ready to roll next week. So everything seems to be headed in the right direction. We're gonna we're gonna get to the uh, you know COVID protocols and that stuff in in a couple of minutes. But first, talk a little bit about what uh, fans can expect from the course and also the fan experience on site. Yeah, so uh, the golf course itself is kind of a typical parkland golf course designed by uh, Tom Weisskopf in 2004. Um, it's we call it a you know kind of a it's a big golf course. It, it uh, crosses Rowlett Creek eight times. Uh, really a, a pretty parkland type setting. Uh, it was designed in 2004 with the hopes of one day attracting the AT&T Byron Nelson. If you talk to uh, the developer, David Craig, that was his dream. And he's, uh, he's like a little kid right now with his dream coming true here just next week. So, uh, you know, it's, it plays over 7,500 yards. Uh, it's coming in, it's in really good shape despite the freeze that we had just, uh, you know, last February. Uh, so it's going to be a really good test. We've got more rough than I thought we would have out here. And uh, to be honest, it really just kind of depends on what the wind does. These guys are so good. But the, you know, the kind of the finishing holes, you've got three in a row that are crosswind and then the last three coming straight down, straight into the wind, into that southern wind. So I'm anxious to see how they, how they handle it for sure. As it relates to the, to the spectator experience, you know, we certainly can't wait till 2022 when we can roll out the red carpet to 40, 50,000 people out here. So we are limited, as you know, which we'll talk about. Um, but I think, you know, those that are out here, you'll have that same excitement that that you would feel on a full capacity event. We've got uh, hospitality around the 16th, 17th and 18th holes. Um, the way that they all come together, those last five holes starting at hole 13 through 18, it really creates kind of a core energy um, through, the, through the finishing holes. And I think you'll, you'll see some of that same excitement this week, next week. Exciting news, uh, Dustin Johnson, I know, uh, committed to play for the first time in a, in a little bit. Talk about the field. You got a really strong field uh, this, this year. Yeah, really excited about the field for um, uh, for sure. We've got uh, four of the top 10 players in the world as of this morning that are going to play with us. 
Uh, Dustin, who you mentioned, who hasn't played in a while, number one player in the world. Um, we've also got three Walker Cuppers that have received sponsors exemptions. that will be playing the Walker Cup this week and then making their uh, debut here at the Byron Nelson next week. Um, Tyler Strafacci, um, the reigning U.S. Amateur, Cole Hammer, and uh, Pearson Cootie will be playing that Walker Cup team and then coming over here. And then we've also got uh, Bryson DeChambeau, John Rahm, and Brooks Kepka rounding out those four in the top ten. Uh, and they're joining, you know, our, our local favorites, Will uh, Jordan Spieth, Ryan Palmer, Will Zalatoris, Bryson DeChambeau. It's just a, it's just a great field, uh, one of the better ones we've had in probably close to 10 years. Now, John, you know you just got me really uh, really pumped up and really excited with that mention of uh, Brooks Kepka. I didn't know that he was on the list yet. I must have missed that. So uh, um, I, I'm really excited there. But have uh, also been uh, – I, I think you mentioned earlier uh, the community and the, and the move out to, to McKinney and Craig Ranch. Uh, I, I think the entire region is excited, even though we'll, we'll be at limited capacity. Uh, but a, a lot of uh, good energy coming up for you next next week. Um, obviously, the tour has some health and safety protocols um, in place uh, for this year. What can guests expect in, in terms of uh, safety measures uh, at the Byron this year? Yeah, you bet. Before before I, uh, I answer that, Monica, I will tell you, so Brooks committed this morning, oh. and the first thing I did was tell Courtney to call you and let you know that okay. he had committed. So. Well, I'm, so you I'm, probably I'm, haven't seen him on the list yet. I'm, I'm, I can free my schedule for the meet and greet. No problem oh, there. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, but no, your, your question is extremely valid, extremely on our minds um, right now. You know, the health and safety, being able to host this tournament is refreshing for us having had to take a year off last year. It's, it's great to be planning a tournament. It's clearly uh, the planning that I never thought when you talk about the last 18 years, I never thought I'd be planning a tournament under such conditions. Um, and it has been kind of a moving target as, as we uh, went through this process, but we feel like we have a really solid plan in place. We've worked closely, not only with the PGA tour on the best practices that they've seen kind of week in and week out as, as they return to golf, but also with the city of McKinney and Collin County and the state of Texas could not have been more supportive. Um, but from a kind of how you'll see that play out on site, you'll certainly never see more hand sanitizer anywhere else than you will out here. Uh, we will stress social distancing on site. Um, everyone will be probably the, the most important thing is everyone will be required to wear a mask when they are on site, except when they're actively eating and drinking. Um, and also there will be a restriction against any eating and drinking so that people can keep their masks on if you're along the rope line. You know, one of the great things about our sport is there's 18 holes of golf and everybody can have a front row seat, but we want to make sure that everybody along the rope line is, is being as, as uh, safe as possible. So really those three things that you see everywhere, we're going to make sure that everybody's being as responsible as they can. And we've got over 1,200 volunteers kind of helping us enforce those protocols. So, John, obviously, we're going to get into Momentus Institute and that uh, here in a bit. But uh, talk about the importance of all of your partners. Obviously, AT&T, a, a big partner of yours, but uh, you have others that um, are also important and, and what that means to uh, the Byron Nelson kind of moving forward. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think most people know that these things don't exist without partners like that. And, and, and you're absolutely right. AT&T is the absolute best at it. And we couldn't be happier that we are in our seventh year with AT&T as our title sponsor. Uh, but Monica, it's a great point. One of the other things that, uh, that really kind of drove the move to TPC Craig Ranch and choosing 
this site was the overwhelming support that we received during that process of, of trying to decide where our next home would be. You know, the, the corporate community, you, you hear all the time when, when you're kind of trying to decide where to go, you hear these promises of we're going to be behind you and, and we're there, but the corporate community pledged their support when we were making this decision. And I can tell you they've delivered every step of the way. Um, we have 53 new type, new sponsors that have never um, sponsored with us before um, out here with us next week. Uh, so everything that they've said they have delivered on the, the city of McKinney is uh, also a premier sponsor of ours. And we look forward to uh, rolling out the red carpet for them as well. And, and probably one other thing, almost all of those were sold on five-year deals and they were sold while we were putting the plans together. So they were basically buying sponsorships before they really knew what they were buying. So just overwhelming support. Well, I, I am always uh, blessed in, in what I do with the uh, corporate community here as well. I agree with you. Uh, they definitely come to play and uh, come to uh, support the different initiatives and events that we have going on in this in this great region. So let's switch a little bit and talk about Momentous Institute, uh, you know, the funds of uh, and, and, and the proceeds of the Byron Nelson go to support a lot of other other things, a lot of positive things here within our community. So give us an idea of all the work that your team and the Salesmanship Club and uh, do and the benefits for Momentous Institute. Yeah, you bet. I think one of the things, I think everybody knows that most PGA Tour events um, exist to raise money for, for charitable causes in their community. I think one of the things that sets us apart is we're the only tournament on tour that actually owns and operates not only the, the tournament itself, but also the beneficiary in Momentous Institute. So, you know, the Salesmanship Club has been around for over 100 years, and they have been finding various ways to fund their nonprofit, the Momentous Institute, um, since that time so that they can help children and families in our community. And uh, starting in 1968 was when they partnered with uh, Byron Nelson to start this tournament. And it's now become one of the one of the key fundraisers from Momentous Institute. So we talk about the success and we talk about the money raised. You know, we've raised over $167 million since 1968 to help fund, help kids and families in our community. Um, but really, you know, it's the exponential reach that we that we can achieve with that money. You know, we've, we, we, uh, we know that we have served directly over 150,000 children and families um, in that time. And then when you think about how that has has extended beyond our reach. I think that the that the that the um, commitment is really exponential. Jan, that commitment you mentioned 150,000 kids. More important than ever when you consider the impact of the pandemic on on learning and kids fall, falling behind. Do you, do you agree with that? That more important now maybe than ever. Uh, absolutely, no doubt. You know that was one of the when the pandemic hit and and we were canceled. That was one of the things that we thought about. You know, in this time when it was more important than ever, you know, the Momentous Institute focuses on education and mental health. And you can't think of two things that have been more affected during this pandemic than education for our kids and the mental health of our communities. And quite frankly, with, with AT&T by our side and their, their ability to help us pivot to digital learning and teleconferencing for our mental health and uh, uh, family therapy sessions, we've been able to to help in a time when uh, when it was needed the most, as you said, absolutely correct. You know, golf as a sport has bounced back incredibly well in terms of participation in rounds played. Obviously, natural social distancing, mental health benefits of being outside with your friends and family. 
you think you'll see a bump this year with that with the with the surge in rounds played and recreational players and new people taking the game up that they'll want to buy a ticket and come out and you'll you'll see them as as spectators out of TPC Craig Ranch. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know interest level is at is at its highest for sure. You talked about participation being up. I don't can't remember the last time it was so hard to get a tee time on a golf course right now. Um, and interest level is up for us. You know, I think that's that's one of the, you know, we wish we could sell a ticket to all of them right now, but you know, we've been sold out for about three weeks now because um, of the interest level and the limited attendance. But, you know, we think as more and more people take up the game and more and more people get involved in the sport that, uh, that we'll have them as fans for a really, really long time. And that's our job to make sure that they do. Now as tournament director, your job description is basically everything, but what's, what's the, give our, our mic drop listeners an example of some, Something that you that you do or you have to do that made that uh, maybe a little surprising or unusual. Yeah, good question. The uh, what's what's great about it is it's literally different all day, every day. Uh, you know, this morning when I got in, I kind of cleaned up some ticket requests that needed to be moved around, that sort of thing. I've I've taken a couple of calls from um, agents that are looking for either a sponsor's exemptions or wanted help with hotel rooms for players that were playing. Um, wanted to get out on a practice round, maybe uh, another player that wanted to get into the Monday Pro-Am, um, scheduling a couple of press conferences, um, was talking to the mayor about our opening ceremony earlier. So, you know, it's just that it's all those various details from what, when are the yardage books going to come in to do we have all the furniture delivered properly and, and then mainly making sure that our customers are taken care of and ready to experience the tournament the best way they can. And you know, our customers include those that buy from us, those that play um, in our field, and and uh, those that are just coming out to watch. Well, all the best for 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 a successful tournament. Obviously, you, you, as you mentioned, sold out, but but uh, watch on CBS, everybody. This will be a good one with number one in the world, Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson, and a whole bunch of Dallas favorites like like Jordan Spieth and the emerging Will Zalatoris, so uh, and others. So, all the best, and thanks for joining us, John. Thank you very much, Sully. Great to be on, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys soon. Thanks a lot, John. And now back to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. And now it is my distinct honor to welcome to the mic drop the great Pudge Rodriguez, not only one of the greatest Rangers of all time, but one of the greatest of all time, period. I don't know where to begin. 14 all-star game selections, 13 gold gloves, both tops for any catcher in, in history. No one has caught more games at the big league level than Pudge's 2,427 games. That's, that's an amazing number. 1999 American League MVP, Hall of Fame class of 2017. Pudge, I could go on, but you're also a talented entrepreneur. And Monica is going to begin our conversation uh, with, with that. Yes, uh, Pudge, welcome. Uh, you know, really something that uh, sparked my interest here. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Pudge Coffee and Pudge Pizza at Texas Live. 
Pudge Coffee is 100% uh, Puerto Rican. Why did you pick coffee and, and pizza, and what might be coming next? Well, thank you for having me today. Uh, basically, th this is the reason why <laughs> <laughs> I have a coffee business. Now I started the coffee business uh, uh, three, four years ago, and uh, I, I love coffee. Uh, basically, the coffee, uh, the whole lab and the whole uh, factory where we where we do the uh, the coffees in my hometown in Vega Baja, Puerto Rico, and so um, basically uh, a lot of the guys that works uh, in the farm, I grew up with them. Uh, basically, it's really three minutes from where I grew up, and and the partners that I that I have also we grew up together. So the coffee from my hometown. And, the good thing is that the coffee is 100% uh, like you say, uh, Rican coffee, and uh, we're doing well. And so looking forward to continue work hard uh, in the lab to make the coffee better. So far, uh, everybody likes it in Puerto Rico. We are not a super, super big company because the size of the island of Puerto Rico but uh, but what we already have as customers, we're doing we're doing great. And the the pizza restaurant, yes, I started the first one at uh, Texas Life. Uh, obviously, this was a, a a joint venture with the Texas Rangers that we decided to uh, to did the the pizza. And the second one is coming up now in, in, in July, I mean, in July in Puerto Rico, obviously, because the pandemic, we couldn't uh, open up uh, last uh, November because the pandemic in Puerto Rico, but uh, everything is finished. Everything is done. We we did the restaurant at the new development called uh, the uh, AT&T District, which is in Puerto Rico, in San Juan, and looking forward for a uh, uh, in July to open the first one in Puerto Rico and, uh, and move forward. Well, I'm a big coffee fan myself. So uh, is there a place I can uh, uh, buy some of this Pudge's coffee? Yeah, absolutely. You can buy on Amazon. You can okay. buy Pudge7.com. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's easy to... Uh, to get it, but uh, but I can send it to you. That's not a problem. You don't have to buy it. And what's your uh, what's the? You have a lot of different pizza names on there. So what's the what's your favorite pizza at Pudge's at, at Pizza? Well, the Vega Baja Pizza we is is one of my uh, is one of my favorite. Actually, is the the ingredients that I like. Uh, the Grand Slam also is um, is a very good one. Uh, obviously, we. Uh, uh, we decided to make seven types of pizza, obviously, because that was my jersey number uh, where I was playing baseball. Uh, but we, well, we're going to continue getting better. Uh, so far, you know, uh, all the customers love uh, the taste of the pizza and, and obviously the, uh, the attention that we do uh, in Texas Life. And so we are moving the same... Uh, the same concept and, and, and the same passion uh, to Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico, we probably gonna add some couple of more. It's gonna be more than seven because we wanted to do some, uh, some Puerto Rican favors uh, in the pizza. 
which is a lot of people in Puerto Rico like that as well. Awesome. So uh, you, you mentioned Texas Live, and that's definitely a, a great development and entertainment district there in Arlington. Uh, a, a lot of opportunity there. Uh, and we have a new ballpark, Globe Life Field. And uh, this is a, kind of the first year that fans get the opportunity to really experience uh, games there due to, due to COVID. So what are your thoughts on, on that new ballpark? And, man, wouldn't it have been uh, nice in, in your day to be playing in that air conditioning? Well, to me, to be honest with you, I love the heat. I grew up in Puerto Rico, and, and as you guys know, you know, Puerto Rico is pretty much 95, 100 degrees pretty much all the time. Uh, so to me, it wasn't a big, uh, big of a deal. Uh, but it's great. I mean, the ballpark is beautiful. Obviously, when you play in a brand new, uh, I think it was a $1.5 billion ballpark, uh, you know, for that kind of money, you know, that ballpark has pretty much everything, the technology, uh, everything they have uh, is, you know, top of the line. Uh, I think that, you know, I've been there a few times and everywhere you sit, you're going to have a great view to watch a baseball game and the clubhouse is beautiful for the, for the players and all the, uh, all the things that they have available in the clubhouse for the players uh, is first class, but, it's always nice to have uh, a dome, and especially in Texas, when you, uh, when July, August is over 100 degrees. I don't think it's, it's, it's that big of a, of a deal for the players, but I think for the fans' standpoint, it's, it's always nice to sit on a seven, 70, 71 degrees chair, not hot like it used to be the old ballpark. And uh, and it's nice. I think it's a it's a beautiful beautiful ballpark. I think the the teams are the team playing really good right now. And so with fans at the ballpark, with a brand new ballpark, and all the uh, all the uh, entertainment that that ballpark has, is a great place to be. Yeah, I've heard a, a lot of positive feedback from those that have been able to attend a game this. Uh... This season, uh, looking forward to going to more more this year. So I think that's positive news for the Rangers and and, and Globe Life Field. So, uh, Pudge, I've got to bring in our, our our intern here on our podcast because he he told us before uh, we sat down today that his first um, autograph actually he was two years old and he received a ice cream helmet there at at a game and it was autographed from you, Johnny Oates and Juan Gonzalez. So Marcus, our, our next level intern, uh, do you still have this uh, ice cream helmet? Yeah, Pudge, it's, it's crazy. I, after all these years, I'm, I'm 22 now. So 20 years later, I still have this helmet. Um, and I, I just want to know, I just want to know what, what guys like, you know, the late uh, Johnny Oates and, and Juan Gonzalez did for your career um, and how, how much they impacted you go like, uh, your, well, your uh, uh, what is your name again? Sorry, Marcus. Marcus, uh, I grew up with Juan back home in Puerto Rico. Uh, we grew up in the same hometown, and actually, uh, by the way, we played literally together. Uh, not not together against pretty much of the time. And I have an older brother that he also played baseball, and so we have this a uh, a uh, family kind of rival, not a not a really bad rival between us, just a family. I I grew up with him and 
the relationship that I have with him was since little kid. And then, you know, playing with Johnny Oates is, is, uh, is an unbelievable manager to play with. Uh, he was a guy that he was like another player in the clubhouse, another person that cares about the, about all of us, uh, you know, want us to do the best day in and day out on the field. And, and basically he understand, he understand the game of baseball. He understand that play out there is not an easy game to play. Uh, but at the same time, he always keeping us, uh, ready to go and having a manager like that with, uh, with this kind of uh, friendship and also professional that he was uh, day in and day out on the field was was great. But play with, uh, you know, play with Johnny and play with Juan for me was one of the best years in my career. Obviously, I started my career in the Rangers since uh, uh, 87 that I signed when I was 16 years old all the way to 2002. So it was some great years there with the Rangers. Juan, what does it mean to you when you hear Marcus talking about a connection with you that came from an autograph you signed so many years ago? You did so much in the community when you were with the Rangers. You ever think about the, the kids that you helped back all those years ago that still remember you and feel connected to you today? What does that well, mean? Well, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I, I just kind of like, uh, I appreciate that, all the uh, support and all the fans uh, uh, did through my career. And basically, I did uh, I did the best that I can to entertain and to please as best that I can. And this is the things that, that, that you get, you know, uh, I've been retired since 2000 and 2012, and uh, it's hard to believe that it's been this long. And, and look, I'm still getting some appreciation from fans from a long time ago. And and even today, I mean, I had some, I got some little kids that every time I go to the ballpark, they, they, they just they just wanted to come and take pictures with me, which is, I can't believe, a little kid uh, is, is just come and, 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 uh, and take pictures with me. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a little old, I'm probably the dad and mom, uh, era and then when I see a young kid comes over and take a picture with me is fun but I think uh, uh, all that is kind of like you know you have to uh, you know get that I was very nice I always wanted to be involved with the fans on and off the field and basically I did that through my whole career and still living today I, I that's one of the main things that I do I do a lot of uh, Zoom uh, calls, and I talked to some uh, some high school, colleges, and um, and uh, companies, and do and send them the best uh, positive and sample that I can that I can give them. And so I just wanted to keep all of them positive, and I appreciate that from all the support that the fans give me through through the years, and I appreciate that very much. That's one of the great things about sports, the way people forge those connections and get brought together. What uh, The game has changed a lot. You mentioned you retired after the 2011 season. What do you think of the, the way the game is played today and how it's changed since your day? Well, it's it changed a lot, obviously. It, and, and, I, and, we, and I knew that it's going to change. I mean, basically, the base, baseball today is 
it's a young baseball out there. A lot of young players, a lot of very, a lot of talented players. Uh, obviously, I have to mention the technology in baseball is really there a lot now. Um, they're using a lot of technology, a lot of uh, uh, um, computers and all these analytics and all that stuff. Now they're using them. And so I think for me, uh, in my opinion, I will, you know, it's good to see that uh, kind of baseball out there, but I still wanted to see a little bit the, the, the player. I wanted to see more the ability of the player on the field and kind of let them play a little bit, a little bit more, kind of like, you know, just go to, just let them go with the strength that they have as a baseball player. Uh, I think that's probably the only, the only thing that I have. But I think baseball is is really good today. It's more, it's not like before. Now it's more power, more uh, power pitchers. You know, now hitter want us to hit balls out of the ballpark. They teaching now the the launch angle to hit the ball up in the air, and the pitcher now you know they just teach him how to do the the spin rate to throw the ball 95 100 miles an hour it wasn't like 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 um like my era that we do the bunting the move the guy over hit and run a lot of a lot of running and also you know put the ball in play hit the ball in the gaps and and the power hitter obviously you know hit the ball out of the ballpark now you don't have that anymore you don't have a lot of running games anymore. Just kind of like you, you, you know, when you when you pay millions of dollars to 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 one player, obviously, you know, is a reason for it. They don't want to risk all these guys to try to steal a base and get hurt, things like that. But I think that's probably the only the only thing that I miss in the game. I would love to see the game more aggressive, more running, more fundamental part of the game. And so hopefully one day they implement all that into uh into the game today so so we can see more more uh more fast and more quicker games. You you miss uh you miss stolen bases because you threw out half the guys that tried it against you with with uh with your arms. So that's a <laughs> See that a little more. I mean, I want to see. I want to see catchers be more, uh, more aggressive. You know, throwing more to the bases. I don't see that anymore because right. obviously it's not. It's not that game anymore out there in the big leagues. Before we let you go, what's your size up the young Rangers uh, talent? Obviously, the club is building around a core group of young players with a couple of veterans mixed in. Uh, who do you like among the young players, and what should we look for as the as the Rangers season? Uh, you know, on? I, don't, I, I don't like to say names. Obviously, I I work for the Rangers, and basically, what you see on the field, we all uh, we all agree with mm -hmm. what what we think is the best uh, for the organization and for the Texas Rangers and for the fans to to put out there day in and day out on the field. Uh, I think uh, we are play young this year and all these young players are really talented. This is what we already have in the minor league system before this year. 
And so they're performing well. I mean, they're doing a good job. You know, there's been, of course, up and downs uh, uh, weeks so far during the season. But the good thing is that all these young players are staying healthy. They're not getting injured. And that's the that's the goal that we wanted to to have to keep them ready to play uh, every day, day in and day out. And even though doing this uh, tough situation that we live in with the pandemic, that's what we're looking for, just to have them healthy, stay healthy, go you know uh, on and off the field. But I think uh, the team that we that you see day in and day out is going to be a very, very good team for the future. And I think we're going to have a good year so far. In your role as special assistant to the GM, in normal times, you would go to spring training and, and interact with the players and, and do other things in the community too. But when you go to spring training, do the young players, do they have a sense of, of how great your career was? Do they listen? Do they ask questions? How, how is it working with the young players now that you've been out of the game for a while? Well, absolutely, yes. That's my that's my work. I I work as you know assistant to uh, uh, to the GM, uh, and also I work for Fox. As you guys know, I do mm-hmm. post game for Fox. Uh, I haven't started yet because of the pandemic. We all we're gonna start doing that in June. I mean, uh, middle of June. Uh, but yeah, uh, spring training. Uh, that's what I do. Uh, I put the uniform and just go on the field and and go to the bullpen and watch the catchers receiving the baseball and, 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 and make sure that everything back there is, is, is the correct way. But, uh, but my main job is the mental part of the game with the catchers. I think that's the most important part for me to teach, a, uh, to teach these young catchers. I think you have to anticipate the game of baseball, obviously, all these professional catchers and catchers design professional baseball. Yes, they know how to block, they know how to throw, they know how to receive the ball, they know how to do that. But uh, one important part of the game of baseball is the mental part of the game. And that's basically what I what I teach. Basically what I do the most is, uh, is a conversation. I like them to talk to me and ask and tell me what they feel what they thinking and the things that they they, they they think in doing the game and and to me I just trying to uh, to help them as best that I can what I did in baseball to make them a better catcher so so pudge uh, somebody uh, little birdie uh, gave me some info uh, and I need to know if this is is accurate as a kid you claim to be a very good volleyball player is that is that true? <laughs> Well, I, I I was I was a volleyball player. Uh, to be honest with you, the, the reason that I always mention volleyball, basketball, and baseball is because I got some great parents uh, in my house that give me the green light to play uh, every sport, and that's what I always uh, tell all the parents out there when you have a young. Uh, a young, talented athlete, just let them have fun, let them play, let them enjoy their their their, their child growing up and enjoy play whatever sport that they want. But yeah, I was I was pretty good, you know, the little bit that I played volleyball and the, and the little that I played uh, basketball, I was really good. But basically, 
that was that was it. I was uh, always uh, thinking about playing baseball. That was my number one. But also, I played this other sport because uh, I like it, and my and my parents let me play it. Well, I uh, I have a volleyball background, and I have been to numerous uh, international events in in Puerto Rico. And actually, Ari Cruz, who played us on your Puerto Rican or used to play on your Puerto Rican national team, was just here in Dallas uh, for two months, uh, playing with uh, Athletes Unlimited Professional League. So uh, I'm like, wow, if uh, Pudge has a, a past volleyball history, I, I definitely need to dig in, in a little on that one. So thank you for that. Not a problem. <laughs> All right, Pudge. Well, thank you so much for the time today. Continued success with uh, the pizza and coffee business. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rach. And now it's a pleasure to be joined by Skin Wade, 97.1 The Eagle of Ben and Skin fame, also, of course, a stalwart and many other areas, music, beer, all kinds of stuff, and <laughs> Dallas Mavericks TV broadcast. Now, first, you know, Ben and Skin, you guys have been doing this for 20 years in Dallas radio. I want to know, was it paper, rock, scissors, or did you flip a coin? Why isn't it the Skin and Ben show? Well, that's, uh, you know, you make these decisions in life that you don't put a lot of thought into, and then you regret them for decades. It clearly should be the Skin and Ben show. Uh <laughs> You know, it's funny, uh, most uh, most my, uh, well, really since I was in high school, all my friends call me Skin. And so when Ben and I would go and we'd, you know, try to get opportunities, he would just talk to, hey, I'm here with Skin, you know, Skin and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, the legendary uh, radio program director, Bruce Gilbert, when he was at the ticket, Ben and I were sitting in his office and we hadn't even thought about a show name or any of this kind of stuff. We're just trying to figure out can we get on the air? And I didn't even think about being skin on the air. It, there was really no thought about it. And then Bruce just goes, well, you guys should obviously be called the Ben and Skin Show. And we were like, yes, we obviously should be called the Ben and Skin Show. So it was as simple as that. Uh, but, you know, Ben is, a, ben is a pretty good lead personality for our show. Um, and uh, and then also it works alphabetically, and I think it works uh, you know phonetically as well. Ben <laughs> B is a good hard sound to uh, to start the name of our show. All right, I have a two part question for you on the Mavericks before we get to uh, a couple other things. Number one, how do you define your role on this on this three person team, which is not common mm -hmm. uh, for an NBA local team? And you know this is our twelfth episode, uh, and of course number twelve. Some people might think of Roger Staubach. Some people might think of uh, Rugi Odor. Some people might, President Bush would think of Gino Petrali, one of his favorite Rangers, war number 12. But of course, we think of Derek Harper. So talk a little bit about your role on the, on the crew and what you try to bring separate from Harp's analysis. But also, a couple of weeks ago, you and I had a conversation about the Mavericks, and you reassured me that everything was going to be 
okay. This was a couple losses to Sacramento ago, uh-huh. but we've seemed to have righted this ship. We got to get KP back. But talk about your role on the three-person crew and what what we what you're looking for for a, the finish to the regular season and, and beyond. Yeah. So as for my role, you know, I've been on that broadcast for over a decade now, which is really strange to think about because uh, one, it, it kind of reinforces, man, you got old all of a sudden. But, uh, you know, Ben and I came up in a real unconventional way. And our emergence on the ticket post game show coincided with the rise of Dirk. And, you know, Soli, you know what the thought was on the Mavericks in the 90s in this town. And, and so, yeah. (laughs) And so I I really, quite honestly, I think the way Cuban viewed us was there was no other show in town on the radio that was as enthusiastic and in love with the Mavericks as we were, you know, I I went to all those games in the eighties with my dad. My dad was a basketball coach. We were very much uh, basketball was a huge, we used to go to all those. My dad would take me out of school to go to those old Southwest conference tournaments at reunion arena when all the Arkansas fans would come down. So, you know, basketball was, was mine and my family's life. And so I'm very passionate about it and I love it. And I think when Cuban would flip around the dial and he'd hear me and Ben talking about it, he could hear that passion and enthusiasm. And, uh, you know, he's an outside the box thinker. And I've always told, he, he's never told me this, but I really think the reason I was put on the Dallas Mavericks broadcast was because of the rise of Bill Simmons. I think that he changed the sports media landscape in really significant ways in terms of who are we listening to talking about this sport and why. And I think that if you, for me, it was just right place, right time, being in a football city, but probably being the most passionate uh, media member with the Mavs. And and I also at the time, you know, I had a really good working knowledge of the salary cap, for example, which is something that most media members did not have. So it allowed me to establish some credibility that I think uh, other people talking about basketball didn't have because I actually read that stupid document and I knew that stupid document as much as a non-lawyer could. So the things that I was saying on the air, I think gave us some credibility. And so when, when Cuban wanted to change the dynamic of the broadcast, I was just sort of the one guy standing there that fit whatever he thought it may be. And, and people forget this. I started with Ortigal. Me and uh, Follow on Ortigal were on together for about a year and a half. And then that changed. And then when Harp came in, you know, Harp was my favorite Maverick growing up. I love the man. I know you love the man. And so, you know, the people that like our broadcast, the reason it works is because of Derek Harper. You know, follow up can do play by play with anybody. He's extraordinary. He's exceptional. Uh, but for the guys that actually played the game at the highest level, he's got to be willing to accept that I have something to say. And a lot of ex-athletes would not. They would not want to give me any credit or pay attention to what I'm saying. In fact, I would probably get in their way. So if you think our broadcast works, quite frankly, it works because Derek Harper uh, accepts it and wants it to work and is an extraordinary teammate. And so he's going to come at it from a perspective of he's been in that battle. He knows what those emotions are. I'm going to come out at it from the perspective of, uh, you know, what – fans want but I don't think I'm an ordinary fan I'm not knee jerky I'm not overly emotional and then also I try to bring the quirky sense of humor that Ben and I have on our show to that broadcast and I think if you're a traditionalist you turn it on and go what the hell is this what's that guy doing uh but if you're just a person that wants to be entertained and is open-minded then I think our broadcast probably really works well for you 
So, oh, oh, and I just rambled for an hour there, so I'm sorry. Uh, the Mavericks need to make sure they're not in that playing situation. If I had to uh, guess right now, I think it's going to be the Lakers. They have several back-to-backs. They're trying to get LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy. Their schedule is a bear. Uh, it's going to be really funny to me when the Lakers are in the play-in game and, uh, and all that pressure is put on the defending champ. But uh, you got to get Porzingis healthy. They have to pay attention to defensive details because that's where all their success comes from, quite frankly. We know Luka can do amazing things offensively. We know guys can get hot. We know they're going to put up a bunch of threes. But if they're dialed in defensively and can at least make it more difficult on the other team, then I think that they can actually get out of the first round. So, Skin, this is a hot topic that we've had over the past few weeks, mainly because NFL draft uh, was upcoming. Obviously, it's over now, uh, but uh, we get everybody's perspective on what kind of grade would you give the Cowboys? How do those Cowboys do in our in this draft? Well, so uh, I'll say this, and, and even as a, a big NBA guy, I don't uh, really, you know, evaluate those teams' drafts because – I don't think the average uh, sports fan realizes how much work goes into that. And so I, I've, I've like off my own experience, I'll give you an example. There's plenty of guys where I'm like, I'd never draft that guy. Like I remember saying, I'd never draft Kevin Love. And then he turned into a double, double machine. Uh, and then with football, it's so unique because think about how many great players were found from really small schools or they were at big schools and they just took longer to develop. I will say that, watching the the Cowboys play they need to address their defense and I feel like from an outsider perspective not only did they address their defense but they specifically did it within the context of what Dan Quinn would want and what he would want to develop and I loved obviously what he did in Seattle when he became a head coach in Atlanta they were known really for more of their offense right but uh you can't argue with his success there I'm sure he would argue about one particular game that they had and it kind of slipped away from him. Uh, but, but this is a team that needed an infusion of talent on defense. Um, I, I, we have a, the producer of the bit in skin show, Kevin Turner, who goes by KT. KT. Please. Yeah. That guy puts in extraordinary work and I've seen it. And so in that regard, I feel uh, silly talking about the draft when I know I haven't even done 5%. <laughs> of what he's done. Like he studies film. He goes to the process of grading. He's learned it from scouts. And so KT's reaction to the draft was mostly positive, uh, which that always uh, gives me a B that I feel pretty good about what they did. But you know, this, this team's defense has to be healthy. It has to get deeper and they have to really have an identity that they've lacked for quite a while. All right, Skin, this is the portion of our program where we talk about what we're downloading, what we're streaming. Uh, your partner, Mark Folliwell, came on a few weeks ago and was all intellectual with books and stuff. Uh, actual books, not, not, <laughs> not audio books or digital books. But we know he's a sophisticated uh, character. So, yeah. so, so tell Monica and me, what, uh, open up the, uh, you know, the laptop, so to speak. What are, you, what are you streaming or downloading these days? Well, I am, a, you know, music is a huge part of my life. I still do music production for, you know, what they call production music libraries for TV and film and stuff like that. It was kind of the career I thought I was going to have before the media stuff took off. And you mentioned a name that I'm going to tie back to this in just a second. But uh, I started a record label with a guy 
that owns a retail brick and mortar record books DVD store. It's called Josie Records. They have four locations. The one at uh, in Dallas off LBJ is the biggest record store in Texas. And I think might be the biggest one in America. But we started a record label to put out a revival soul band called Bastards of Soul. They kind of have like a late 60s, early 70s, Atlantic stack sort of soul sound. And then the pandemic hit. Uh, and, you know, that kind of shelved our plans. But we've recorded more music and and have new stuff coming out there. So if you're a fan of old soul music, I would recommend Bastards of Soul rather selfishly. Um, but I, 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 I listen to all different kinds of music. It depends on mood. I still listen to jazz. I still... You know, I, I grew up with hip hop. I still listen to hip hop, although, you know, it's a youth movement and I'm not youthful anymore. So I, I realize I've given that to the kids and said, hey, my rap opinion no longer matters. But um, there's a really great band out of uh, Brooklyn called Holy Hive that kind of sounds like late 60s. Uh, so I would call it soulful folk music. Uh, the drummer. Uh, was the drummer for Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, if, if you guys like that band. And they've got a great sound that's timeless. And they, the singer Paul sings these really high falsetto melodies. But I've been working on a project called the Truth to Power Project. And it's a triple LP that we're releasing in June uh, for Record Store Day. And it's this nonprofit music project that's got all these different artists. And the biggest ones uh, are Leon Bridges. He's, of course, from Fort Worth, but he's, he's really made it. And then I am old friends with the guitarist and band leader for the Black Pumas, who they've had an incredible last two years. And so they are involved in the project. There's a really good Canadian jazz band called Bad, Bad, Not Good that's done some really huge remixes. They're involved in the project, but it's nonprofit to try to raise money as well as awareness for several DFW nonprofits that address, you know, what we would call underserved communities. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer that we've, we've got this unique sprawling DFW Metroplex that's really spread out and people just kind of focus in on their own little neighborhoods. And I think if we make these concerted efforts to reach out to the neighborhood on the other side of town and engage with those people, we can, we can create a, a better, stronger community in which people are invested in one another. And the reason I care about that is because I come from music and I come from sports. And I know you guys have seen that in sports where I, the most amazing place to me in the entire world is a football locker room. If you want to talk about they're segregated by position, by side of the ball, by their background, by race. You're talking about getting 50 dudes to, to try to think alike. And I think it's extraordinary. I think it's incredible when one play goes off without a hitch you got 11 guys that all have to do their job at the same time i mean i think that's really extraordinary and i don't think people pay enough attention to that but the when you see something really successful like the 2011 mavericks and i go well dirk's from germany and deshaun stevenson is is a is a really unique individual and he's nothing like jason kidd and they're nothing like tyson chandler and all these guys like we're collectively dialed in. That's an example where all of our, how we were raised and what color we are and all that stuff doesn't matter. And so when you see those success stories, I think they're really inspiring. So we want to use sports and music to get people to work together in their community. That's what the record is about. And that's all these artists chipped in. And uh, I can't wait for people to hear it. The Mavericks got behind it. They helped me fund it. 
um, it, it's there's a lot of really exciting things that that we can't wait for people to see when it comes out in June. Well, we're we're big fans of self promotion here on the Mike Drop Skin. So, <laughs> so and everybody, you know, follows uh, at Skin Wade on Instagram and Twitter, and you will see you'll find information about both the Bastards of Souls and the yeah. Truth to Power Project. And you know, Skin may have turned fifty, but he's not uh, too old to. And he, he can get away with describing musical things on Twitter as being dope. <laughs> which I could and Tony Faye and I could not do. So, so let's go over to Monica. Let's uh, skin. Let's see what Monica's downloading and streaming uh, this week. Well, uh, actually, it's uh, Queen of the South. Season five is out, and uh, I started watching that last year. Uh, it was originally filmed in, in in Dallas or started out that way, and I had kind of been behind, so I did a little catch up over the weekend. Wait, Monica, what are you? Where are you? Are you binge watching that? What format is it on? Um, it's on. Uh, Oh boy! Now you're gonna you're gonna test me here. Uh, <laughs> I think it's I think it's on USA actually. Uh, Netflix okay. Netflix uh, has seasons one through four on, uh, but season five's only on USA. I think so. I watch it off of YouTube TV. So um, I should have started watching it uh, probably before COVID. But since I, I learned it was filmed here in in Dallas, it was kind of great to see all all the different areas that they that they were were in and how our cities changed over time. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good recommendations from you both. Before I get to mine, when I was doing my exhaustive research, uh, Skin and Monica, for this segment, I, I was on the 97.1 The Eagle website, and I came across why this day matters, why today's date matters in rock history. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy named Dave Basner who does this, what happened on this day in rock history every day. So that's, that's going to become part of my go-to because I, I love music too. My uh, my download my 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 uh, what I'm downloading this week is an app called Libby, oh. kind of inspired by Mark Followell's intellectual side, recommended by my son Terry, who who has been a recommender uh, of this segment for me before. Most recently with Mayor of Easttown on HBO, a show I love. Uh, uh, but the Libby app is a is a library card app essentially. You can download library books or audio books uh, on your app and you get it for two weeks and you read it and, and, and you can do it without, you know, you can save a few bucks and the sports connection. My most recent Libby app download is the autobiography of Phil Knight called shoe dog all about uh, Nike. So, so thanks for all that great recommendations uh, today from everybody. Great show on behalf of Monica Paul and the Dallas sports commission. Thanks to our guest, John Drago, the great Pudge Rodriguez, another Hall of Famer comes to the mic drop, and Jeff Skin Wade. Thanks to the mic drop production team, Chris Amelia, our next level intern, Marcus Carr, with some great airtime today, and our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, thanks for listening.